recently LeBron James filed for Taco Tuesday and he got denied. And what was really interesting was in an interview, his lawyer actually said, we're actually glad. And it's kind of a relief that we got the denial because the denial said, LeBron, you can't own trade Taco Tuesday because nobody can own Taco Tuesday because it's a really common word or phrase. And nobody, when they hear it, thinks of anyone in particular. Another day, another task, think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Welcome to Successful-ish. I'm Sarah Michelle, and today I'm excited to hang out with Joey Vitali, owner and trademark expert at Indie Law, and he is the one who helped make Successful-ish happen. I walked through this whole process, which was my first time filing a trademark um, and getting to learn about all of the fun nuances and classifications and complications and all the craziness who knew all that went into protecting a brand so joey thank you so much for joining us i'm so stoked to be here thanks for having me sarah absolutely so can you tell us something that you have failed at this week yeah you know as soon as you asked me that question the first thing that came to mind was we had to have a hard conversation this week my team um we had to let someone go Mm. and I would say the the failure that we spotted was we it had been a while since we've been in this hard position and we didn't really have a clear path of steps to take. And so uh, that was the big uh, opportunity for improvement that we saw this week of you know really recording the steps that we're taking this time so that it's a less emotional experience the next time. Yeah, absolutely. That is always a hard thing to do. And it's one of those things I think as a business owner, you don't think about when you're thinking about building your brand and your business strategy and your marketing strategy, and you're all excited about starting a business. I don't think it dawns on most of us to think, oh, I should probably have a let go strategy (laughs) written out. I should probably- I like like the let go strategy. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because one of the reasons why I say that is because as a lawyer, I know that people come to me with topics and issues that they don't really want to think about. Right. And firing is kind of like one of those legal-ish issues where it's not really fun, but it's, if you're growing business, it's just a matter of when it's going to happen. Right. And it's a lot better to deal with these types of situations proactively and get it planned together than be stuck in the mud of a situation and, not only have to deal with the situation, but also deal with the fact that you're making a solution in real time. Right. Well, and also to protect yourself as a business owner and, you know, make sure that everything is verbalized in a very upworthy kind of a way uh, because you don't want that coming back with any allegations or anything that can make business more complicated. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's so many ways that a team breakdown can turn into a a legal issue. Thankfully, my law firm focuses on trademarks, so I get to refer that work out. Um, But it's it's definitely an issue that that growing businesses deal with more and more because you don't hear people talk about 
growing and managing a business the way you hear people talk about Instagram and Facebook ads and all the other fun stuff that we do as businesses that are, are either just starting out or at a more initial phase. Right. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get into trademarks? How did you get into law? Um, what makes you you? Just introduce yourself to us. Sure. So I honestly went to law school because my dad bribed me. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do yet. And my dad said, if you go to law school, I will buy you a car. Nice. And I was like, okay, great. It was either law school or join the family concrete business. Hmm. So law school sounded pretty good at the moment. And then I got into law school, realized that unless you have a very particular thing that you want to do with a law degree and go into public interest, political, government, environmental, nonprofit, something, everybody just kind of gets shepherded into the litigation courtroom stuff that you kind of see on TV. Sure. I, I learned really quickly that I am not a really good courtroom attorney. I am not really a, a shark kind of a person. You're no Elle Woods? No. No, <laughs> Elwoods could run circles on me in the courtroom, but it was really interesting because I love, I love this whole concept of successful-ish as a, as a podcast because, I mean, I was, I like to call myself a K through JD, so kindergarten through law school, I didn't take any breaks. Mm -hmm. And I remember as I was kind of closing that journey out in law school, I had had a couple of jobs along the way, but nothing that was like this is a full-time job kind of thing. And I remember as I was trying to succeed at this law firm that was mostly courtroom-based, feeling like I had gotten all of these gold stars in the past as like a good student and, you know, someone who like led youth group retreats and all this stuff. But this was a really hard position for me to fill. And it was, I felt like I wasn't a very good employee. And I remember feeling like, am I just like school smart, but like I'm not gonna be able to be a good like functioning member of society. And it, it wasn't until I left that law firm and realized that I could create a new kind of business based on my strengths that like that was where my superpower was and that what allowed me to have the success that I have required me to really go against the grain of what it typically means for a lawyer to be like in your 40 under 40 list or whatever. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I definitely could see how creativity is a part of your strengths because I work with a lot of different lawyers in various business mm -hmm. capacities and there's so much lawyerese and, um, you know, not to diminish any amazing lawyers I've ever worked with, um, but their stuff is boring mm. and hard to understand. And one thing that I really loved about indie law was that it's just a cool brand. Mm. Like y'all just have some swagger. And Thank you. Through the colors and through, um, you know, when we filed successful-ish, I got this box totally random um, that had a plant that I promptly killed because I swear plants kill themselves on their way into my house just to spare themselves from what's about to happen. <laughs> um, but they sent me this great plant, a succulent, and it was about embracing the suck. And there was just so much fun 
and creativity um, that going through the trademark process, I just felt like, man, I just want to hang out with these people. Like, you're just cool. Thank you. Yeah, I like to tell people that I built a brand that is way cooler than I am. <laughs> um, but no, my team is amazing. Thank you so much for saying that. And yeah, it, it's interesting because I was just I was just recording my own podcast episode yesterday. And I was talking about how when I decided to launch my firm, part of the reason why I decided to do an intellectual property law firm was because I really love and value this idea of creativity. Mm-hmm. After we opened our doors though, and I got to meet more actual creatives, I realized that it wasn't really that helpful for me to just focus on like loving creativity as a concept. I had to really become passionate about the creators and the creatives out there. Um, and then this past year, as we've gotten to work with more and more businesses, I've noticed a shift in my whole team and myself included where we're, we're kind of shifting our emphasis on how we're consulting mm-hmm. from working with creative entrepreneurs and really focusing on working with those creative human beings to realize that we're working with business owners. Right. And the, the interesting thing about helping people as a counselor at law is that I have to always be blending my legal advice with my business advice. Because you could spend me a lot of money with some type of a legal issue and say, what do I do? What's right and what's wrong here? And I could tell you, you're totally right. This person's wrong. You should sue them. You should spend money. Like the law is in your favor. But as a business owner, you deserve me to tell you, like, at the end of the day, there's little to nothing you can do to control that bad person's actions. And is it really worth you spending time, money, and attention going after something when it makes more sense for you as a business owner to focus on revenue generating activity. So I love that you're bringing that up. And I want to ask about a particular case um, that happened several months back. And I'm sure you heard about Lady Antebellum and Mm. Lady A. Um, If you're not familiar with this, uh, Lady Antebellum is a country band. They've been Lady Antebellum forever. They decided that they were going to go modern and ditch the Antebellum and be Lady A. Um, to support uh, getting rid of negative fruits and supporting their Black brothers and sisters, only to find out that there is a Lady A um, who is a Black singer who's been doing this forever. And what I thought was really interesting about the case was that it completely blew up for them and it became this legal battle of, okay, who owns the rights to Lady A? And while... Lady Antebellum may completely have the legal rights. I'm sure they've invested money. They've been building this brand forever. They have the affluence. I don't know that it was worth the damage to the reputation, to the the way that they were communicating, the way that the message was being displayed. Um, So what were your thoughts on that as a trademark lawyer? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So I... I love that you asked that question. Um, yeah, I, I really do think that you can't really separate the PR considerations anymore from that kind of thing. Um, another example of that that is really on point with this is Entrepreneur Magazine 
has a trademark registered for the word entrepreneur. Hmm. And they are now going after any podcast host that tries to trademark any podcast title with the word entrepreneur in it or fill in the blank preneur. Interesting. And they are getting a lot of backlash, a lot of people to unsubscribe, hate on them Mm -hmm. because of the way that they're trying to own this pretty descriptive word at this point. Yeah. And I think that those issues are interesting to talk about. But what's interesting about trademarks is that for so long, business owners don't want to talk about it. And then they hear these interesting stories and then they want to talk about it but your time is valuable. And to the extent that we are going to be on the topic of trademarks, I don't think it's super worthwhile to talk about these interesting case studies. And it's more important to talk about what does this mean for your business? Yeah. Because so many business owners are talking about these interesting issues and they're talking about what their strategies might be, but they're not yet taking any action on filing for their own trademarks. So let's, I have so many questions, but I want to dial it back and start at the very beginning. What is a trademark Mm. and how does it work? So explain, um, like you're talking to a kindergartner. Yeah. What is it? So what I would say to a kindergartner and what I actually say in my webinars is I'm not going to give you a definition because a definition itself is like clunky. Yeah. But if I were to tell you a certain phrase and ask you what company owns it, I think it we can make sense of what's happening here. So if I were to tell you that there's a company that owns Akuna Matata, who do you think owns it? Disney. Yeah. And if I was to get in your brain right now and ask you kind of what allowed you to, to come to that conclusion, it would probably be like, well, Akuna Matata makes you think of Lion King, which is owned by Disney. That is a trademark. So in the legal world, the most non-legalese term we have for this is called source identification. So it's when you as a consumer observe a word, phrase, even a smell or a sound, and it makes you think of a brand in particular. So the MGM Roar is a trademark that like roar that happens in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And anything like that, like we see Starbucks, McDonald's, whatever, there are things that if culture didn't exist and someone just started talking about Apple, nobody would be thinking about computers. And this actually, I don't know where you wanna go in terms of questions, but a really interesting follow question to this one is, okay, if that's really what a trademark is, then what's the difference between a weak trademark and a strong trademark? Hmm. Because a lot of business owners don't realize that trademarks exist on a spectrum. A lot of people say, oh, I want to get this word or phrase trademarked the same way that you get an LLC or a domain name. But depending on what it is that you're wanting to use in your brand, it might have weak trademarks or no trademark rights at all, or it might be really strong. And the interesting thing is there are actually advantages to having a weak trademark. It just comes at a cost. Okay. So explain that a little bit. Yeah. So let's, 
let's say that I wanted to start a coffee shop and I called my business the coffee shop. That is what we call a generic name, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost like laughable for us, right. like that I would call it the coffee shop. Now I could, I could do that. I, that could be the name of my business, but that falls on this spectrum that is a weak trademark if it's, if it's a trademark at all, meaning that I would have little to no way to exclude others from using it. Now, the advantage there is if someone searches coffee shop on Google, they find me right away. Sure. And a lot of entrepreneurs do this. It's not as black and white as coffee shop, but they're like, oh, I'm the Instagram expert, the Instagram Academy, whatever it is, or the, the video crash course, whatever. We pick these very generic and descriptive words and phrases for the name of our podcast, our courses, even the business itself. And you can do that, but the problem is you can't then exclude others from using it. So on the other end of this extreme of the spectrum are fanciful and arbitrary trademarks. So that's where you've got things like Kodak, Mm -hmm. where it's a totally made up word, but it's a really strong trademark because now it means something. It built that brand reputation. Or like Apple, where it technically is a word that means something, but it doesn't mean computers and technology. Right. And the once business owners see that, they're like, well, I kind of want a little bit of both. I do want it to kind of help explain a little bit what the business is about. Like, I don't want it to be completely random, but I also want to be able to exclude people from using it. And so the, the term for that middle of the road trademark is a suggestive trademark. Okay. And so- the example, I'm sorry, the example <laughs> that I love giving here is Jaguar. Hmm. So if I was to just tell you that I have a company called Jaguar, you might have no idea what I do. But as soon as I tell you it's a car company, you automatically think fast, high-end luxury. And so now my firm and my personal brand are doing more and more naming strategy sessions. And a lot of it is coming up with kind of suggestive names based on your unique brand, your framework, what makes you different. Yeah, that's awesome. And I, I love, so the whole concept of branding, um, you know, anyone listening, you know, I've mentioned I'm a brand strategist, I'm an identity evangelist, mm. and branding is really just a fancy way of saying who you are, and how people talk about you when you leave the room. Um, it's not just logos and colors. And these word associations are so interesting, because you know, there's nothing in Jaguar, for example, it's not like their tagline is we go fast, (laughs) you know, it just, those are just word associations that have been put out. And so trademarking, as I understand it, is just the legal process of protecting the identity and the reputation that you're putting your heart and soul into building. And what I'm curious about is, If trademarks are existing to help you own your success, where in the success process does it make sense to trademark? And I'm sure that it's a different answer for everyone. Um, And that was something that with my businesses, you know, with Successfulish, for example, I sort of had really lofty ambitions and I trademarked it before it was ever a Mm. thing because I thought someday this is going to be big. I love this word. I don't want anyone else to take it. Whereas my business honey map that I started as a hobby and didn't really have any intentions for, 
I didn't invest in a trademark until it was at a place where I thought, okay, this is actually viable and I'm going to scale it. So in terms of protecting your success, does it make sense to sort of think big and protect it up front to wait until you're scaling? At what point, how do you balance that? Where do you step in? Well, the the main thing to keep in mind is that you do not own Mm -hmm. these words or phrases or logos or whatever without trademarks. Sometimes we are led to believe that a trademark is kind of like a legal version of a verification badge. Mm. That's not how it works. So until you get your trademark registration, you're taking a risk that you're accidentally infringing on somebody else. Right. And so the real question is, how open are you to doing a rebrand if you have to? And because really it's a it's about coming up with a name that isn't already taken, so to speak. And a lot of businesses, they think, oh, well, the domain name's available. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I run a trademark search, this specific word isn't taken yet, so I can move forward with it. But until you get that trademark registration, there, there's a pretty good chance that somebody else already owns the trademark or will beat you to the filing punch and file something before you do. And so because of that, we all, and that's why I focus on trademarks because I really do think that business owners aren't doing it quickly enough. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, you can even do it before you launch. And that's what we're doing, especially with clients who go through the process with us once and they realize either that they didn't get it because they waited too long and there were issues that they didn't see or they got it and they realize it was kind of a sigh of relief Right. They're like, okay, this next time before we launch this business, before we launch the podcast, we want to make sure at the beginning that we have the naming rights so we can file what's called an intent to use application before they even really promote and launch that part of their brand, um, just to make sure that they can really shout it from the rooftops. Because there's nothing worse than being in the middle of like a Facebook launch or really promoting something. And then because you're so loud about it, a competitor finding out and sending right. a cease and desist letter. Right. And that, that was a really interesting part of the process that I didn't know going into it was this idea of having to prove that I was using something, having to put it on a website, having to put it on product. Um, I know my designer super ghetto rigged a fake t-shirt to make it look like mm-hmm. we had a product line with the, the tagline on it. And it was sort of this, okay, I have to publicize it and I have to show that I'm using this, but I don't want to publicize it too much so that someone will take it. Mm. And, you know, the trademark process itself is a good six to 12 month ordeal. And so it, it is an interesting, I think the, the intent to use makes more sense to me just to to sort of call dibs before investing all that effort. And if you're in the business world, you know how much money goes into building your brand visually, you know how much money goes into that introduction. Um, And a rebrand, it's a lot more than, you know, just new colors or a new logo or a new name. You sort of have to rebuild an entire reputation and you you have to explain to people have the pieces of you that are still the same while they're wrapping their head around the fact that you have a completely different name and look. Yeah, it's, 
it's a very complicated process with the rebrand. And it also can get very emotional very quickly. Feeling like, oh, now I have to change the name to something that I'm not as excited about or whatever it is. The truth is over half a million trademark applications get filed every year. So again, it doesn't matter what's available on GoDaddy or what handle is available on Instagram. The trademark process is not something that you do when you're like legit and want to show it off, but it really is, it gives you that legal permission to be who you say you want to be. Right. So one thing that's interesting to me too, is I, I can wrap my head around trademarking a business name or a brand name, but trademarking common phrases or even something like Akuna Matata, um, which you know, it literally does mean no worries in a different language. It sort of seems like, I, I almost see it like the playground bully, just, you know, calling dibs on the toy and not letting anyone else have it. So what does that look like? And how does that work to just take a common phrase that maybe many people would use? It's not necessarily something unique, but you're the one who gets to the, the legal documents first. Yeah. So it's, I love that you asked this question because we get asked about this a lot. And you're you're right. These common words and phrases are unfortunately getting applied for more and more. Um, and for the most part, common words and phrases fall into those weak trademarks. So uh, recently, LeBron James filed for Taco Tuesday. And he got denied. And what was really interesting was in an interview, his lawyer actually said, we're actually glad and it's kind of a relief that we got the denial because the denial said, LeBron, you can't own tra- Taco Tuesday because nobody can own Taco Tuesday because it's a really common word or phrase. And nobody, when they hear it, thinks of anyone in particular. Right. Um, recently, uh, Trump's Calfefe word mm-hmm. went through. A lot of people tried to apply for that. No one got it. People are trying to do that with coronavirus right now. Mm-hmm. And people can't get it. That being said, it is possible for you to have a common word or phrase that is a strong trademark. Again, think about Apple owning Apple. Right. Or Lion King owning Akuna Matata. Like the fact that when you say that you think of Lion King mm-hmm. means that there's brand association there. And it would be weird if Nickelodeon tried to trademark it. Right. So where does legal protection help you in that as opposed to just building brand awareness. Like I think about people like um, Tim Gunn, Make It Work or Tyra Banks, Smize. I don't know anyone else that can just go out and start talking about smizing where someone wouldn't think, oh, isn't that Tyra Banks word because she has been so obnoxious about it and pushing it on all these different channels. So where does a legal protection help in that case? And why is it worth a cost investment rather than just building the brand and having people know that you're the first person who coined that phrase? You're asking if, so what was that example again? If if like you wanted to use Smize? So for example, yeah, Tyra Banks uses Smize all the time. And so if she has, I don't know if she has a trademark on that, if she owns it, but what is the advantage to her legally 
owning it, if she's trying to build brand awareness, if she's trying to get it to catch on. And so now I think it's a cool word and I want to talk about smizing. Yeah. Where does so legal trademarks are a complicated process. Mm-hmm. Um, when you apply for a trademark, there's a point in time where anybody can challenge your rights, mm-hmm. but the trademark office itself does a review. When the trademark does a review, for the most part, they're only looking at other trademarks that are pe- pending or are registered. So if Tyra Banks doesn't have Smize trademarked and you file for it, it's possible that they could accept it. Hmm. Now, legally, Tyra Banks would have a pretty easy job petitioning to cancel that trademark. Sure. But if Tyra Banks owned it, if Tyra Banks doesn't own it and someone else starts using it and she wants to tell them to stop, without a trademark registration, she can't really make anything but an empty threat. Okay. And it's very hard to take any of those to court if you don't have the trademarks in place. Does the trademark protection protect other people against using it or just monetizing on it? So for example, I own Successful-ish. Let's say I want people to use the word. I want people to feel like they are Successful-ish. I want people to post about it. I'm not necessarily looking to shut people down for saying that they're successful-ish, but I would want to shut someone down who was then trying to profit from it. So where is that balance between spreading the word or phrase and monetizing off of it? It's really whether it's creating brand confusion or not. Mm. So uh, we see this a lot like in the Etsy world. Mm -hmm. So let's say an Etsy shop has a name of something um, this actually happened yesterday. I had a call with uh, a Etsy store owner who um, she's she's got a, a, a an online shop that we'll just call, say it's called like the Brick Rabbit, and she sells like products made out of like carved brick. Mm-hmm. There are people who are also selling carved bricked works. This is a weird example, but. If let's say that somebody creates like a, a carved rabbit product and they title on their Etsy shop, mm-hmm. like here is a brick rabbit that you can buy. If that word is just describing that product, there's not really much you can go do to go after them. But if there is another company out there that tries to call themselves brick rabbit or that's using the word in a non-descriptive way, then she has a good argument of saying, hey, my audience is looking for me, but they're finding your stuff. Right. And so it's when that customer confusion happens, like it's, here's another good example. Um, We all know what Blue Apron is, right? Mm -hmm. So Blue Apron owns the registered trademark for Blue Apron. There was an application for Green Apron that got denied. And the reason for the denial was because it was too similar, they said, to Blue Apron. The applicant for the Green Apron was Starbucks. Mm. So there you can see, like, it it could have been really confusing if Starbucks started saying that they had a product or service called Green Apron. Like, would Blue Apron be involved? Maybe, maybe not. So that could really lead to customer confusion. Interesting. So I have kind of a, a strange somewhat trademark related question, but I'm curious with all of your work in trademarks and looking into all the nuances and all of the ways that people are protecting these unique attributes to what they're building, 
how do you feel that that has made you look at maybe personal identity a little bit differently in terms of do you after being in that world do you look at identity and personality in any kind of different lens in terms of who Joey is and you know taking being involved in different cultures and meeting different people but also sort of having that common root of who you are where do you see parallels between a brand identity and a personal identity mm, that's a good question you know it's interesting because as my team has grown i've realized that there's so much of what goes into our brand of, of indie law that isn't just me mm -hmm. um but there's there's a lot there so uh for example, like one of our major sign-offs on all of my emails and stuff is big smiles. And that is that potentially is something that we could file for a trademark. And if I saw another lawyer use something like big smiles, that'd be like, hey, that's kind of my, my thing. Um, but only to the extent that like people might see that and somehow think there might be a connection. Right. I will say being a business owner lawyer has taught me that when it comes to hard business decisions, a lot of times you can either be right or you can be effective. Mm. And you can be most effective by letting go of being right. And there are, I have a lot of clients who they're dealing with some legal problem where legally they have the better argument but it's not worth them pursuing. Right. And so that's something that, that I'm learning more and more as, as a brand, as a person to really like just leave my ego at the door. And when it comes to the brand and the business to really just think objectively about how things are happening and I'll allow myself to feel the feelings if someone starts copying me or whatever it is, or we lose a client or a teammate says something about us we have a plan of dealing with those things, but we also know that it's not worth a lot of time and energy focusing on stuff we can't control. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is something that everyone needs to learn, particularly in the world of owning a business is just really understanding. I love that, that, you know, you can be effective or you can be right. And I think that we often, forget to think long-term and yeah. we, we neglect to look at the collateral damage that could happen as a result of getting this one goal that we're focused on rather than keeping this bigger lens in mind of, okay, what is this going to build on my reputation? What is this going to um, do for the relationships that are in my life? How is this going to affect PR and how people talk about me and my character? Um, you know, and I, I think, those core values, I think that's why that's such an important piece of your brand is you you have to keep those core values in mind because those are the better foundation piece rather than a checklist of this is how we've decided to do things. Yeah, I think we have to be able to keep a checklist as a guideline, but be willing to sort of throw it out the window when it no longer makes sense and more so rely on those core values as the compass. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And and that reminds me too that like I'm learning as a brand that I have a responsibility to repel people. Mm -hmm. 
And the, the personal brand influencer side of me is like, I just want everybody to like me. Yep. You know, that's the, the middle child of seven syndrome in me. Yep. Um, and to an extent we've tried to create like a likable warm brand to set us apart as, you know, in the attorney space. But at the end of the day, like there are people who don't like that, who prefer the suit and tie look or who we're not edgy enough and, th and that's okay too. Yeah. And um, really being okay and actually like encouraging putting out content and showing up in ways that, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm happy to have the result be people being turned off if it really allows my target market to lean in even more. Yeah. I love that. I might start using that phrasing. What are your repellents? Um, mm. One of my favorite questions that I ask when I do brand identity sessions is what are your polarizing qualities? Mm. And I'll ask people, what are the qualities that some people will love and some people are, will hate? And it is a very hard question for people to answer because we want to be all things to all people. Why would you want to turn away business? If anyone wants to give me money, I want to take it. And the most successful brands are the ones that have a fair amount of equal hate to the love. Mm. Um, the examples that I generally turn to, um, I don't know why I'm stuck on the food industry, but <laughs> Gordon Ramsay being an asshole mm. and Paula Dean being just bubbly and butter. Yeah. Um, they, you know, there's people that love Gordon Ramsay. He's so blunt. He's so honest. He says everything I think. And there are people who hate that. Yeah. And I think it's really important to know that. So I'm going to put you on the spot. What are your polarizing qualities? Oh man. If you would have asked me this about a year ago, I probably would be telling you different <laughs> things. Uh, as, as I level up as a human being, as a business owner, I think one thing that certain people like and certain people don't is that I'm not here to just be a friend and a cheerleader for you. Mm -hmm. And I tend to ask follow-up questions when people ask me questions. And a lot of people don't like that. Um, you know, but it's interesting because as hard as it is to think about that, you know, someone who sees a Facebook ad of yours or an Instagram post might say something nasty. When I started to get more over that hump, I thought I was good. Like I was like, okay, now I'm in a place where like, I don't care what people think, I'm just gonna be my brand. And then I started to work more with referral partners and do more brand collaborations. And I've gotta say, it stings a lot harder when someone who you're a fan of or want to become friends with or are friends with starts to be more repelled by your brand. Yeah. And not taking that to heart as much either, because in the same way where not all of the, the potential leads out there for you, not everybody out there who could be a, a partner is a good fit for you. And that's okay too. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think that that's a really hard thing, especially when you are a business owner, because there's this weird blend where you, especially with social media, we really can no longer separate business and personal. Yeah. It's blended. And, you know, that was something that was really difficult. You know, it's not just 
my business out there, it's me. So if someone doesn't like my brand, they don't like me <laughs> because yeah. I am my brand. And I think that it, it takes a lot of work and not just a thick skin. I don't think that um, the solution is just to have a thick skin and just nothing gets to me. I think it takes a lot of hard work to really do the hard work of spending time with ourselves until we're at a place where we are confident in who we are to where if someone doesn't like me for certain things, I'm totally okay with that because I've already decided that's not where I want to be. And that is, a, I think, a very hard place to get. And it's, I think it's very difficult to figure out those boundaries. What does that look like for you figuring out your kind of where your business brand ends and where your personal life yeah, starts? Man, I don't know how to answer that question, but I will say that it's been a game changer to find friends mm -hmm. in a kind of mastermindy way that are willing to lift me up because of the potential of who I am and not like you said this the other day and I got upset so now I'm mad at you right like finding business owners who are good people who are at a similar place as you and who are willing to be committed to your success kind of regardless of what they think about you. Um, I've been forming more and more of those relationships recently. And it's, it's amazing as somebody who wants to grow as a business owner to be like, no matter what I do, there's this unconditional love in this group of yeah. people who will lift me up. And having that safe space of doesn't matter what people think of me at the end of the day, because I'm a work in progress and these people know what I'm dedicated to. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So I want to, I want to wrap up our time with, if you could share one thing to help someone, someone wants to be more successful-ish in the world of trademarks and the world of legal protection, what is one place for them to start one piece of advice that you would share? Well, my head immediately went to, I just started a podcast, check it out. Um, it's totally free and it goes through this in as non-legalese of a way as I can handle it. Um, but I, at the same time, like I don't wanna tell anybody to do something that's just like research more. So I guess my biggest advice is even on the legal side, be willing to take mistakes by taking action versus inaction. As much as it stinks, even to file a trademark and have it get denied. I would rather have you be in that pool of people than people who didn't trademark because of the risk or the overwhelm. And then they find out later that it wouldn't have worked anyways, or it would have worked or whatever. Um, but being willing to, to actively make mistakes on the legal side is better than just avoiding it because you're afraid of it. I love that. I love that. That is amazing advice. Um, Guys, go check out the podcast. And honestly, even if you're not a business owner and you're not in this world where you will ever be applying for trademarks, there's so much overlap. Um, and what I love about Joey and the brand that he's built is that he is so generous with just his personality and his life and just fun case studies and stories that all get wrapped in 
um, it's just really enjoyable no matter where you're coming at it in life. So check that out. Um, Joey, thank you so much for hanging out with us. And um, for all of you who are listening, would love to hear your thoughts, um, what this sparks for you. If you have any questions or comments, email us at embracetheish at gmail.com, or you can hang out with us online at successfulish.com or Facebook, Instagram at embracetheish. Success and failure, none of opposite ends. Curveball hits, gotta know where to bend. The attitude will affect destination. Interview determines when you're gonna make it. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Live between successes, makes life rich. Live in every moment, successfulish. Hey, successfulish. Another day, another task. Think fast with a whole nother mission complete. I'm successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions to see. I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back. Reinvest hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. Successfulish. Another day, another task. Think fast with a whole nother mission complete. Successfulish. Pick up the weight, press on, and act on the visions of see. Successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieve. Successfulish. Lose a stack, get it back. Reinvest hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve. All this weight on my arms need both flex. In this race, put behind me most steps. Had a sort of learning curve, hope I don't crash. Hit your nerves when reserves got low cash. When I fail, realize that it won't last. You made it through when the past just Look back, successful list. You can see how the contrast fires and wins. Use the past and the bounce back. You can never win if you never go and do it. Figure is a hard road, rarely ever cruising. Embracing all my wins with a handful of losing. Expect the drought season when the plan's going fluent. I can never really feel it's all how you view it. It's all a lesson, just depends how you use it. Get all the data and keep it all exclusive. Never ending journey and the growth is therapeutic. My identity is not in what you see. I am the better me. Mistakes others make, I see. Have a teacher me. Compare yourself to others is an insult to tragedy. We will make unique, gotta use again collectively. Broke down my goals in a few look. Toesome. Can't take it back cause you already spoke em. Easily regressive, you don't stay focused Focus, live between success every moment Successfully Another day, another task Think fast with a whole nother mission complete I'm successfulish Pick up the weight, press on And act on the visions of see I'm successfulish Sit back and bask in the glory Of all the goals I achieve Successfulish Lose a stack, get it back Reinvest, hope, wait Then I roll up my sleeve I'm successfulish Another day, another task Think fast with a whole nother mission complete Successfulish Pick up the weight, press on And act on the visions of See, I'm successfulish. Sit back and bask in the glory of all the goals I achieved. Successfully. Lose a stack, get it back, reinvest, hope, wait, then I roll up my sleeve.